Welcome to Foundation and Family, the Erica Diaz Show, where real estate wisdom meets family life. I'm Erica Diaz, here to share stories, insights, and inspiration for building homes and nurturing hearts. Let's dive in together. Hey everybody, I'm Erica with Foundation and Family, and today we have the privilege of talking to Jason Pugh and Chris Hardiman with Guaranteed Rate. So today we're going to dive into what the market's doing with interest rates and anything in between. So guys, where do you want to start? Boy, we're your guests. Where do you want to start, Erica? <laughs> well, let's talk about <laughs> January. It's right around the corner. Yeah. We're noticing some interest rates are coming down. So what does that mean? And do you think they're going to stay down? What do you think? Boy, hitting us with the hardball right out of the gate, huh? Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, look, first off, this is a super interesting time to do a podcast, because just in the past two weeks alone, we're in a completely different interest rate environment. Right. Like if we were sitting here doing this podcast two weeks ago, we'd be singing the same old sad song. Yeah. Right? Like high sevens, even low eights. If we were three weeks ago, there's no inventory. Nobody wants to list. Nobody yeah. wants to move. And now we're sitting here and what is historically, you know, everyone's shutting down, getting ready to start cooking, getting ready to have family come in. And like, we're, we're writing pre-approvals. We're getting offers accepted. We're going yeah. under contract. Yeah. It's, so it's crazy. I think we've noticed that little pop too, because it was like, yeah. and now it's like, and we're all trying to get ready for Christmas. And I mean, I was late getting in here because yeah. buyers calling and things like that. And it's like time to shut down. Yeah. But isn't that the way real estate works? Always. Like. Classic. Yeah. Hey, if you're ever slow, just take a vacation. Right. <laughs> just right. take a That's vacation. That's exactly right? what I was going to say. <laughs> so then what do you think for 2024? Do you think this is going to keep on trucking? It is an election year. So historically, what do you see happening in election years? And then what do you think for inventory? So all those things are kind of interconnected, in my opinion. And I'll kick it over to you, Jason, and you can kind of tell me what you think. But, you know, the funny thing about economies and election years is they kind of always magically just seem to get better. Right. Right. How Every, does that happen? Yeah, yeah. And, and it just kind of always seems to correct. And things start to look a little bit rosier for whoever may be in office. They seem to have always done a little bit better job than you thought. I mean, diesel <laughs> uh, prices are down from 520 to yeah. 350 So, I mean, yeah. that's nice. So, I, But having said that, I don't think 2024, just to like shoot you straight, I, well, I think we're going to end and we're going to look back on 2024 and think, wow. This was actually a really great year for all of us in real estate. I personally, I don't think Q1 and probably even Q2 is going to be a really super fun time for us all, but I may be wrong about the second quarter. I may be wrong about the second quarter. We may, we well, may. Q2, what's Q3, your Q3. definition of fun though? Writing loans or yeah. sitting with crickets in your pockets? <laughs> Writing loans, but more so just getting back to a world where buyers and sellers are not so aggravated, so much tension yeah. in the transaction. Yeah. You know, I will That's tell, and, and Jason knows this better than I, actually, I take that back. You're an outlier in the office. <laughs> you're an outlier in the office in the sense that you're apt to funding ratio. In other words, a realtor hands Jason an executed contract. What's the percentage that that goes to the closing table? Jason's still like 85 plus. Yeah. And in a normal market, that's where we are. We're like 90%. But hey, this year. This year. We've seen more fallout. Oh, my gosh. You yeah. Know, we're, we're dancing around like a 50% 
average, right? Mm, so I'm okay fine. if we get back to a world where, you know, do we want to do more volume than we're doing this year? Yeah, of course. But I'm happy if we're back to a world where all parties are just a little... Happier? De- you know, the tension's down in the transaction a little bit less. People are having more sensible negotiations, working towards resolutions. Okay, so NAR predicts that we'll end about 4.2 million homes sold this year. And next year, the prediction is 4.7. So that does mean an increase in inventory, which seems indicative to me of rates being more stable and going down. So I I think we're actually in for a better Q1 than you're predicting. I think it'll be fun. And I hope you're right. I do hope hope I'm right. I desperately want you to be right, (laughs) 100%. Yeah. So what about you? What's your prediction for 2024? Yeah, I think like Chris, just to echo what he said, I think it's more, you know, a gradual rate decline versus what we've seen in the last two weeks with a huge jump. Um, I think you're going to see kind of the lower, lower fives, mid fives by the end of the year. But I think it's going to be more summer, fall, you know, for, for 2024. But I, I do think it's going to be a, a slow decline. Um but I, I don't think it's going to be like we've seen in the last two weeks. So, but then do you think we get into that like crazy refi boom because people were getting rates in the eights? And then, so are you guys slammed, even though us realtors are over there just driving, showing well, houses? So, you know, there is a lot of a lot of things out lately showing that the debt has increased for a lot of consumers. Correct. So, you know, you, you kind of wave at that point, do you do a HELOC? Am I going to do a HELOC for an 11% interest rate? Or do I do a cash out refi with my... 2.75% interest rate. And as that lower rate gets, you know, having to do a cash out refi on that mortgage, as we get into the fives, that becomes a lot more attractive than, you know, an 11% HELOC. Um, 11% sounds like 2005. It was going down. It, it The the HELOCs and the 10s and 11s, it, it was happening. It was happening. But, uh, you know, I'll tell you, here's the thing. Like, is anyone who got a loan with an interest rate in the eights going to be refinancing with us? Oh, hell yeah, they are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. High sevens, yes, absolutely it's going to be happening. So, yes, is is there going to be a large uh, volume of refinance coming into mortgage companies that is going to take up operational capacity, take up all sure. that stuff? Yes, that's going to happen. But here's the other thing that you have to think about. With what's going on in mortgage during this uptick from four, five to six, right. you know, we, we, we just blinked and we missed sixes. It was five <laughs> to seven, right? right? Which and, is and, rough. And then, yeah, that and is then rough. we were getting into the eights, yeah. right? So think about how many, I mean, you have a lot of friends in mortgage. Yeah. Think about how many furloughs, layoffs, Absolutely. all of this. So there's this entire, you know, operational support staff that's been waiting for this to happen. And these mortgage companies have been waiting to bring back He's really well-qualified and, like, ready-to-work individuals. So it will be a much easier staff-up than it was before. And also, we're not going back. Like, all those guys that locked up high twos, threes, fours, fives, they're they're not refining for a long time. And do you ever think that we'll see something in the twos again? If we do, we got much bigger problems in the economy as a whole. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we will. Or the world. Yeah, yeah I don't. I don't so think no, we will. No. And, and I think too, like <clears throat> lower interest rates are great for everybody. However, there are some some things that where it's not beneficial. Well, I was going to say, know. are they really great for everybody? Because when we had a two point seven, I 
specifically in my neighborhood up in the front, one client said, hey, we really want 900. Well, in that moment, I said, you know what, let's just try for a million. Right. And they said, sure. And we got 1.1. Yeah, so that's where I say the, the, the negative grand. part. Yeah, yeah. So, 200 so grand. You now have a bigger buyer pool that are qualified. However, now you're probably waiving contingencies. Right. Appraisal's coming in low. You're coming right. out of pocket. So to me right now is a great time because you're able to get seller concessions right. and get into the fives and right. then potentially not have to refi that refinance right. that later. Well, and we've even had clients that have come back to us during that whole crazy time and they're like, my pool pump doesn't work. And I was like, well, you never yeah. Go to the hood. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, yeah. you waived your inspection. Well, why would I, why did I do that? Because there was 20 offers and yeah. you needed a home. Yeah. So we have to remind people that like, I know that 2.75 looks so luxurious and appealing and amazing, mm -hmm. but really what you got was no inspection, mm -hmm. 50 to a hundred thousand more in your purchase price that you can't refi out of. So it does sound amazing, but it's really not yeah. like if it seems too good to be true, it often is too good to be true. Right. Right. So Always. what's like the perfect interest rate you think? Oh gosh. The you consumers know, think. The, the consumer, like, <clears throat> it's interesting, right? And, and you couldn't be more right. When you get too low on the spectrum, yeah. the entire transaction changes just because the influx, the pool of buyers, there's so much competition on the buy yeah. side. Yeah. You, you, while you're doing the best you can for the client, given the circumstances, aren't doing the best you could given a more stabilized and normal market. Right. You know, is there such a thing as a perfect interest rate that gives X percentage of the general population of Americans the right level of affordability? No, I don't necessarily think that that's a question that could be answered directly, but I do think we're all having a very normal real estate market if we're dancing in the fives, right? High fours, high fives. Yeah. We're, we're having a normal market and then we have to have the whole conversation about inventory, right? right. How much new construction inventory is coming right. into play? Right. Have we been in this market long enough that that new construction inventory is now starting to churn into resales? You know, we're in a unique animal in Central Florida. Well, and not that this is overly relevant to Central Florida, but I think my videographer said yesterday, if you were in Turkey, the interest rate is like 40 something percent. Is that what you said? Yeah, 40%. So. I mean, five doesn't sound that bad, does yeah. it? And well, it's still better than renting 40%. Well, and you're not in Turkey. And think about it. And we're also in the only country in the world that has the Federal Reserve System. So we actually have 30-year amortization and 30-year notes, right? right? Right. So there's a lot of countries out there that while they may be amortizing on these long terms to bring affordability to home buyers, mm -hmm. they can't be in it for 30 years. They got to do something. There's balloon right. payments on right. those notes, right? right? Right. So yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. So could, could 40%? No, I don't want to be there. No, no, gosh, <laughs> yeah. no. And I, I don't even think it was 40. I think it was 40 plus. But you know, another topic that I hear a lot through my clients is, oh, assumable mortgages. Let's talk about assumable mortgages. And it sounds like this shiny little star that's so amazing, but I kind of wanted to get you guys' take on it because I am actively involved in two right now. And I got to tell you, they're not as pretty as they look yeah. on the outside. Well, and I think we might have one together. We do. Yes. We so do. so they were going through that process 2.75% interest yeah. rate. On the second though, we were looking at 11, 
Right. And when we had this rate jump two weeks ago, I mean, I was going to help them with the second because they were dealing with that lender on, on the assumable yeah. for the first. Uh, we ended up being able to use the seller concessions to get to five and a half. And that wow. blended rate was a better situation to just do one mortgage than have Instead to worry about the second the other being one. interest only. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people think that when they're taking on that assumable mortgage, let's say the balance is 200000 just for simplicity's sake, and the purchase price is 400000 I think the lay consumer thinks... I'm going to go assume that mortgage, even though mine's going to be 400000 right. but at the 2.5. Yeah. And that's not how it works. The assumable is the debt that is currently in existence. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a bridge or a gap or cash or mm-hmm. something. Right. And then that bridge or a gap, which the bridge might be an incorrect term for lending today, but it did exist at one point. Yeah. Um, they're at 11%. Yeah. So if you're getting hosed at 11 on 200 grand and then you're picking up 200 grand at 2.75, mm-hmm. what you're saying is with the seller concession, just take a new product and cut it in the middle and call yeah. it a day. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that first off, you know, assumable mortgages, temporary buy downs, 2 1 buy downs, all these things that we talk about as, uh, you know, attractive tools when, when we, you know, we as, realtors or lenders or whatever sort of industry participant that you are, whatever tool that we're using to get the consumer excited. So they actually reach out and have that first conversation and get a little bit more informed and learn a little bit more about the process instead of just being mentally, oh, I'm shut down. Rates are too high. There's no houses. I don't want to be there. I'm okay with us talking about these products and generally just starting the conversation. Right. But I think assumable mortgages is one where like, if you're not really going to educate the consumer on the pros and the cons of that product, that's a really dangerous one because a lot of time can be wasted by consumers, by realtors, by lenders. And then they actually figure out, you know, oh, wait, hold on. This assumable mortgage was done at 2.75 on an FHA loan on a house in 2020. Everyone in this room and probably most of you watching at home know what's happened to home values since 2020 to today right? They've skyrocketed. So now you've got a bridge of equity that needs to be filled right. of $200,000 or to more. get in there and wait, that FHA loan actually has MI on it. That's going to be there forever. And, to, and, like, right. and by the way, most government loans don't allow second position mortgages behind them regardless. Correct. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm so okay. just to break that down <laughs> yeah. for the lay consumer, right? Yeah. They, the FHA government loan, doesn't allow a second mortgage. So that means the consumer has to go into their bank account, stroke a check for the difference in equity, which I think a lot of people don't get that. They think, well, we'll just get a second mortgage or a HELOC or a bridge. And while that can happen, it's not always the case. Well, and think about the, the, the FHA product as a whole. While there are instances where it does apply to other consumers, your typical FHA is not perfect credit, you know, middle of the road credit, you're typically dealing with, uh, not always at all, but oftentimes a first time home buyer, right? Sure. And we are as a first time home buyer, just getting to a position to be able to accumulated enough assets to be actually able to buy a home. Right. So this is usually not the individual that can stroke a check for 150 grand. Correct. To bridge the difference. Right. So it's cool that we talk about them. It's fine. Yeah. We should talk about them. They exist. But I don't think we can't set an unrealistic expectation that we're in assumability land right now. This is what we're going to be doing on every deal. Well, and then I think the other caveat to it is 
Realtors are out there writing contracts with 30-day close dates on an assumable. And I don't know about your experience, but I'm here to tell you that we're 120 in right now. Yeah. 120 well, days in right now. You don't get to deal with Jason Pugh, your purchase loan officer. <laughs> no. You're dealing with the servicer on that existing yeah. mortgage, and you're going through their channels. Yeah. And, they're and they not, don't want that. They, yeah, they're no. not giving uh-huh. you anything. Like So the one that I'm referring to, the seller lives in New Zealand currently. They're military the buyer is also military, so we're talking about a VA. VA. Okay. Yeah. So now they live in London. The seller is in New Zealand. The asset is here. Yeah. So we're three continents. So time zones are really fun to deal with. Yeah. And then you're calling into Freedom Mortgage. I'll just say it. Yeah. And they don't want to talk to you. And we're like, hey, can we get a point of contact? No. Someone will contact you. Yeah. They're like, can you help us as our realtor? Because now I'm representing both. Because it just was too convoluted that they were like, listen, get that person out. We'll stick together. We worked with the other realtor. She was totally fine. She's like, back me out, pay me a referral. We're good. So that worked out. But I'm like, I can't even call the mortgage servicer because I have nothing to do with this. So they don't want to talk to me. So what they told us was 45 days, which I knew wouldn't be an, wouldn't be accurate. We've been pending for probably about 90 and we just got a five week, window is what they said but yeah. we've already had a four-week window a five-week window a six-week window and it works for this buyer and seller but that's a very unique case where they're all in the military yeah. and they're moving around the world yeah. whereas if you're the seller and you've got a house that you're purchasing and you've got to close it by x like that assumability just becomes way more than I think people realize. Yeah, yeah. you've got a unicorn transaction there in terms of buyers. Right, so, right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that and would never work. In, even yeah. <laughs> even with that unicorn, let me tell you, there's frustrations. But fortunately, the folks in New Zealand, the folks in uh, London, and then us, we're all in communication, and they're very level-headed, and it's it's a waiting game. And for that one. The assumable mortgage was seven hundred. The purchase price is seven hundred. Yeah, so easy. that worked yeah. really well because they literally bought it mm-hmm. and then they moved overseas. And it was a VA loan, one hundred percent finance. So it worked in that case. But yeah. it's still, even though it's working, it is not fun. So the Erica Diaz team is not outselling assumable mortgages today. <laughs> I would say no. <laughs> I would say no. But if the consumer wants to go down that path, like you I think explore. education yeah, is yeah. key here and knowing what you're getting into because so many times they're like, oh yeah, I'll just pick that up and put the whole mortgage in it right. and we'll close in 30 days. And I'm like, yeah. wait, 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 yeah. wait. It's not going to go like that. It's going to go more like this. Yeah. Well, and especially on the VA side, oh, that's you know, having to assume that, I mean, it needs to it doesn't have to be another veteran, but that veteran is basically giving up their their entitlement if it doesn't get assumed to another another veteran. Correct. Um, now, so in this case, yeah, yeah, in this case, it is getting assumed to another right. veteran, so he wouldn't, and they're out of the country. But yeah, so I think if you break that down too, because again, the lay consumer doesn't even understand that right. that entitlement. So let's talk about that because there are VA buyers and sellers that are like, hey, I can do this assumable. Right. So what does that mean to not be able to keep your entitlement? Yeah. So to do a VA loan, you have a certain amount of entitlement to be able to do, you know, the privilege of, of doing a VA loan. Now, there are instances where you have enough entitlement to do two, you basically have two VA loans. Um but in that scenario, if they were to assume the mortgage or, or a non-veteran was to assume the mortgage, then you're talking about their entitlement being chewed up and not right. being able to be used until that house sells. Um, Again. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's wild. Yeah. That's is. wild. So Eric Diaz, not the biggest fan. I'll <laughs> explore it, but I just think understanding what you're purchasing. And I think that even goes back, and y'all can correct me if I'm wrong, but that goes back to like when Trid rolled out just education about what you're getting and what you're buying, right? Yeah. And of course, having to explain the brand new loan estimate, which we're still doing to right. this day. Right, yeah. To this day. Yeah. And yeah. we don't have to get into that yeah. today, but no. yeah. it's just about education. And then it matters who you work with, right? right? Because if you are working with one of those large companies that we won't name, that you're calling up to, let's say, Michigan, and you're getting whoever answers Mm -hmm. the phone, are they giving you that education? Are they giving you that information? And then are you... Well, do they even have it is the question, right? More than likely not. Probably not. And then you're 30 days in or 45 days in, like we were with this other Mm -hmm. one, and then we have to flip the script. And right. then switch gears, and it can be very stressful. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's again, it's important who you work with and that they are educated in the product that you're going to be purchasing. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It does matter. Yeah. That's interesting. You're, you're one of the few realtors that I've spoken to about assumable mortgages that really gets it. So that's, that's refreshing. So you're not, well, you're talking about it. You're educating it if you need to. This is like my favorite question to ask whenever I go on a podcast or my own or whatever. I love to hear about in the current market, and given the current market has changed a lot in the last three weeks, what buyers you're seeing in this market, right? Because I think that, you know, originally, like, again, three weeks ago, I was seeing first-time home buyers. I was seeing buyers buy out of necessity. I was still seeing investment. I wasn't seeing step-up buyers Mm -hmm. at all. What, What are you guys seeing today on the front lines? I think we are starting to see more step-up buyers that we hadn't seen in the last couple months, right? Because a step-up buyer doesn't have to move. That's a luxury, not a necessity. But I'm also seeing more sellers kind of release those reins and say, hey, you know what? Maybe it is a good time to think about selling. I had a call this morning on the way in here. Like, interest rates are kind of going down. We got a hot little property in downtown Winter Garden. Mm -hmm. I want somewhere between this and this. What do you think? Should I wait or should I go now? And I was like, go now. Let's go. Because we do have buyers coming into the market. So it's kind of like a catch 22, right? It brings Mm -hmm. the buyers and then the sellers are actually kind of willing to like release the reins a little bit because they were so worried about sitting on the market. And it is hard to sell your home because you live in it and you've got animals or you've got kids or whatever the case may be, you need to make your bed. You need to not make sure there's dishes in the sink when you leave for work because who knows if you're going to get a showing. That's right. So <laughs> if you're just going to sit on market because interest rates are at eight, yeah. eight and a half, and you're going to work every day and you're making sure everything's done, it's exhausting. It is. So it's twofold. It's it's releasing more sellers to feel a little more comfortable, I think. And then our buyers are starting to sniff around like, hey, is this going to be around forever? What yeah, happens yeah. after the election? Mm-hmm. Like, do we go back into this whirlwind or do we stabilize? It's just so unknown that I think we will see, I think 2024 is going to be wild. Again, I think we end the year and we look back and we're like, wow, this was a really great year for real estate, Central yeah. Florida real estate specifically. I think we have a wonderful 2024. I really do. That's good. So let me ask you this, because the data says we're still seeing a lot of influx of buyers moving into Florida. Are you still seeing a lot of people moving into Florida? Yeah, um, we still are. Um, And they're coming out of like Jersey, New York for me. But it's funny because one of them sent me a YouTube video of this gentleman that said, 
buyer beware before you get to Florida. Kind of like what you thought you knew, but you didn't. I will definitely say that I have seen some New Yorkers now that we, you know, this has been yeah. going on long enough yeah. that they've moved here and they're like, all right, let me tell you the reality of what the, you know, it's, yeah. but it's my state. I love it. You know, born and raised. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because then they're like, what you thought was going to be this price turned out to be this price and you were leaving because of the prices and the prices have gone up so much here that I, it's not. We are no longer the affordable market. We yeah. were pre-pandemic no, no, at all. Definitely not. No, not and at all. We do have better weather, right? You're not shoveling snow. It's December 22nd. Right. And uh, I put on the zip up for this podcast. Yeah, I've got <laughs> short sleeves on. Yeah. I mean, I have sandals on. So yeah. it is it is a easier place to work year round. It is an easier place to live year round. So we are still seeing that influx. And then I'm seeing money come out of Arizona. So I mean, I'm not gonna stop it, right? No, no. Yeah. Are you finding these step-up buyers, are they selling their current home or are they choosing to rent it out since they have a low interest rate? 50-50. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's a conversation. But, you know, there's another topic that we can touch on too. But I think that's a conversation that we have with them. And, of course, my favorite thing is to sell, right? It's not yeah, really naturally. a rent. Yes. But with the lower interest rate, with the equity, with the, like, uncertainty of the market because it's been like this, mm -hmm. you know, they are choosing to rent. And I got to tell you – Rents are high. It yeah. used to be what was affordable. Right back to that previous but comment. Yeah. It, it's so high. And it's so funny because a client that we have together that's mm -hmm. closing on the 29th, okay. they called me and they said, Hey, our landlord said he's not breaking even and our rent's 3500 and he's going to raise it to 45 or 5000 because the taxes increased. And yeah. I said, Correct. So tax notices all just went out not too long ago. Landlords mm -hmm. are realizing this. They're not homestead. I said, so you're going to move into a similar size house in the similar area. That landlord too got that trim mm -hmm. notice. What do you think that rent's going to be? Well, right now it's 3500 Correct. But what when mm -hmm. you go to get there, what do you think it's going to be? Yeah. So then when we're having that conversation, I said, so we're spending $60,000 a year on rents. So why? Like, why are we doing this? Right. And he was like, well, what should I do? I said, well, do you have your down payment? He said, yeah. I said, why are we renting? Let's <laughs> find you a house. He's like, interest rates. I said, fine, let's get some seller concessions. Let's do the buy down, right, you get you into a 5% interest rate and let's get you paying your mortgage instead yeah. of somebody else's mortgage. Do and you he know was what like, that client does for work? What does that client do for work? He, it's all right, Mr. Question. Loan Officer, you're on the spot. <laughs> this is your client. Um, I believe it's consulting. Yeah, okay. I don't He's know. He's a W-2 consultant. It's more of the story is he's W-2. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, and again, this is this is where I look directly at the camera and say- Wife's a CPA. Consult your CPA. Oh, great. His yeah. wife's a CPA. Yes. Consult your wife if she's a CPA. Yeah. Right? But this wonderful tax code that we have, one of the few allowable deductions for these salaried W-2 employees to actually bring down their tax bill- interest on your primary right. residence, right. right? Right, right. And and so, so many times people, you know, think, oh no, interest rates high, so bad. And, and they don't actually take the time to calculate all of the tangible and intangible benefits of owning right. a home, of course, right. but the tangible benefits, right? Right. Appreciating an, an asset that you have leveraged, right? Taking the benefit of that tax write-off. They don't think about all these things, right? right? And that's where it all keeps coming back to education, education, right. education, education, right? right? Well, and we were able to take him from renting to now he will close at the end of the year. He will take advantage of that tax benefit. He right. will take advantage of so many things. And his mortgage 
is going to be less than his rent was, and he's in the same neighborhood. So right. it just makes sense. But yeah. you're right. It, it goes back to that education. And when he called me, he was gun ho to rent again. And I was like, for $5,000 a month? Like, why? It's a big number. It's a yeah. big number. Yeah. So, I mean, I think renting right now is crazy, but it goes into that affordability thing. Mm-hmm. Like, how can these first-time home buyers afford it? Yeah, and you know, he was a unique situation. If if you get you just look at the data nationwide, even Florida, in in the current interest rate environment, most mortgage payments are outpacing average rents. And right, so you're looking at the headlines, you're looking at that, but again, that's just dollar for dollar. You're right. not thinking about Everything. all of the other right. economic yeah. benefits of homeownership. Well, and just one thing to add to that client specifically and where the money came from, they came from Texas. So mm-hmm. again, back to, are we seeing right. money move in here? Yeah. It's still moving. They always planned on buying when they got here. They just couldn't find what they wanted, inventory, interest rates, yeah. everything. So they went into a rental, but kind of to tie it back to that, are we still seeing out-of-state buyers? That's an out-of-state buyer. Yeah. So yeah. absolutely still coming. All day. All day. But now... One last thing about that buyer, that house was listed originally in the summer at a million and we are contracted at 750. And seeing so much of that going on. Now, I don't know where the agent ever came up with a million because okay. it didn't support it at all. So maybe it was client driven. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I don't know where that came from. It never should have been that high. 750 is a great number for that house. But and maybe it should have been 850. You know, I don't know. Maybe. You're the realtor, right? Maybe, maybe, but it wasn't maybe. a million. But, but the moral of the story is in this market, your client, you were actually able to negotiate yeah. them a deal that you feel good about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. Okay. So we are all parents, right? Working in this real estate world or lending or what have you. So what do your kids think about mortgages and what do they think you do? Because I asked my kids and it was quite comical what they think like a house cost and yeah. all of that. So I've, I have a 16-year-old daughter, a 14-year-old son, and a 10-year-old daughter. The 10-year-old thinks that I'm a real estate agent. Awesome. Thinks, yeah, thinks that I find the homes for them and, and basically do everything. Yep. Uh, the older two, I think, have a good idea what I do. They, they're more familiar with just in the background hearing me talk. Yeah. And with, with you in particular, just, oh, Erica calls, like, dad's got to go take this phone call. So, you know, we'll be in Hawaii. We, we went a few weeks ago, and I'm seeing calls from from you or, or one other agent I work with, and I'm, like, pulling off the mountain. Like, so I, I can love take, this. So I can take this the call. Great. So yeah. I just, I'm, I'm very psycho about answering my phone and, and communicating. So, um I did hear about you on the road to death in Hawaii and, yeah, like, pulled a- off, and, like, we're sitting there talking. And I thought you meant... You had a driver, like, you know, like a commercial bus. But then I guess I found out you were the driver. Yes, so that was me. Um, yes. Yeah, you could have just not taken the call. <laughs> no, Jason's going to take that phone call. <laughs> yeah. Jason's going to. Well, at least yeah. you pulled yeah. off, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Your yeah. kids weren't in any immediate danger. You Perfect. Know? So I'm glad. I, um, yeah, for, for me, it's it's one of those things where, you know, I just think communication is key. And, and that's, that's why it's important. But um, as far as the kids go, yeah, my wife comes from the mortgage. So I work with my wife, Jennifer. She's she's part of a mortgage yeah. team with me. Uh, her dad was in the mortgage business for years. Her brother's in the mortgage with her cousin. Yeah. Um, so, so your kids have grown up in yeah, it. Yeah, so my, so my wife's very understanding in terms of like, if I've got to take a phone call right. and, and do things like that, and then the kids naturally have, you know, been oh, able to too. accept that, yeah. 
So my kids, they tell people at school, which is my favorite thing, that my mommy is rich. She makes $500 for every house she sells. Nice. And I'm like, would you stop talking? Would you just stop talking? And they're like, why do you make that? And I'm like, no, I make less. So, but I think it's funny that that's their perception. Like she makes $500 and I'm like, okay, yeah. we're good. We're good. But what about your kids? How old are yours? So uh, two, two children, four-year-old boy, six-year-old girl. Okay. So they're still pretty young. They're, they're younger. What, what they know is daddy's on the phone. Daddy has to answer emails. Yeah. Right. And, and that's kind of what they see. And I'm, I'm, I'm old school, right? Like I'll do the AirPods of course, but like, I like to have my phone to my head Ugh. and I know it's weird. Yeah. And I like to pace. Yeah. So like yeah. We, we have photos of like my son as like, so like two years old, pacing, and not pacing. He's there and he's got like, you know, his little Fisher price laptop and he's got the little fake phone and he's like here. And he's just like, modeling what he's learning. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, he's modeling what he's learning. He's seeing that. That's uh, so funny. It, it is funny. And, you know, my wife, uh, who also worked in mortgage banking, okay. actually, until we had our second. When we had our second, we had that, like, okay. What are we going to do? What's the trade-off yep. here kind of situation? And that's when she stopped working. Actually, up until recently, when she started working with Guaranteed Rate to help us out a little bit. But, you know, like, this industry that we're in, it's it's insane. and It, it is around comes, the clock. It is around the clock, and the most important thing about being able to do what we do while having a functional and healthy family side right. is the support of a spouse. Yeah. yeah. Is the sure. support of a spouse and a spouse that understands what this career entails. Right. So, like, you know, when we do our holiday party, like, we're, you know, we're, we're standing up, we're, we're talking, we're thanking everyone. We're thanking the spouses before we're thanking the yeah. operational staff, the sales right. guys, everything else. Because if your spouse doesn't support what you do, it's hard. It's it's not hard. It's impossible. Right. Yeah. It's impossible to do what we do effectively and at a high level. Right. If you're fighting the battle on both fronts, right? Yeah. So you know that's what we do all day is we solve problems at work. Yeah. Our and job is solving problems. It so is different. You, you it's gotta have very that support different. when you get home. Yeah, it is because you know, Obi's on radio, right? So his job does kind of run the clock, but the reality is when his mic is open, it's five hours a day. And yeah. then his mic is shut off. Now he's always got a microscope on him, yeah. but yeah. he's on for five hours and he is off for five hours. And that's a different kind of difficult, right? Because it, it it's not like he can just grab a call, do something. You no, know. he is he's he blocked. is he is blocked out. Blocked. But one thing that I think I've even said it on other podcasts is because ours does run the clock 24/7. It's about being present in the present, right? And yeah. so if you're with your kids, I know a lot of people don't like when I say this, but they're an appointment. And yeah. when you're with your client, they're an appointment and you don't take this call and that call. That's right. So Phones we, in the drawer. Right. So if we treat our spouses and our kids like they are equally as important, which honestly they're more important than the client. So if we just balance that and not constantly grab our phone with our kids and we just make that appointment with our kids, I think it makes you more present when you're there because this can be all consuming and easily. And, sure. and then your kids are second fiddle. And yeah. then, you know, in America, it's so funny. We outsource childcare, which is like the biggest job we could ever have. So yeah. it's important that we realize that our kids are equally as important, if not more important, and that we put them as a priority and protect that, that appointment. 
So this morning while I'm driving to school, because I forgot that school was today because it's the last freaking day of the And why the would it year. be today? Ever? <laughs> but okay. Anyways, well, here we are. I mean, everyone yeah. else is out of school except for us. And yeah. I'm like, no, we're going to be in the car. We're going to be intentional, even though I'm late. And even though calls are coming in because it's 10 o'clock, because who goes to school at 10 o'clock but my kids. <laughs> so just being intentional in that moment. So... Yeah, I think it's important. It's super important. And, you know, all dials back to, as we were talking about earlier, who you work with, right? Because right. truly the relationship between realtor and lender sure. is very much a partnership, right? Mm -hmm. So oh, yeah. aligning with individuals that understand that, hey, Monday through Friday, I go dark from 530 to 730 to right. be with my kids for sure. dinner and for bath time and do that. And after 7.30, I am yours Great. again. Fair game. Like, let's go. You yeah. want to get buyers pre-approved. You want to run through scenarios all day. Right. But 5.30 to 7.30, this is what I do. I won't be accessible. It's protecting that time. Yup. You know yep. I'm down. So text me if you need me to do something right, right. when I get back to it. I'm not going to reply to it because the phone's in a drawer. Yep. But I'm going to see it and I'm going to get to it afterwards. Yep. And having those referral partners that hold your same values right? in terms of, you know, I actually, I love that. I don't hate treating your family like an appointment. I'd never heard that before and I'm going to start using it. But Thank it's you. real. But it's super real. And working with people that understand that and share the same yeah. values is so important. It is. Yeah. It is. So before I let you, you two go, let's talk about the two, one buy down a little bit and how that can be refundable. Yeah. So let's say for instance, we're going to start off at a, 7% interest rate is yep. going to be what your rate's going to be uh, on a 2-1 buy down. So from year 3 to 30, you have a 7% interest rate. And how much for the average buyer, how much is a 2-1 buy one? And who's paying for that? So the seller has to, so the buyer cannot pay for it. Okay. It needs to be the lender or the seller. Typically how we are seeing things, especially when it comes to a rate sheet, it's 99.9% .9 of the time have to be from a seller. Okay. So a um, seller concession a seller to concession. buy your rate down for two years or one year. So it would be a, on a two, one buy down, you're buying it down for two years. So it's, if we were at 7%, okay. you're going to be at 5% for year one, 6% for year two. Okay. So let's say that a refinance opportunity comes after one year. Right. And let's say that first year you are saving. So let's say the total surplus over that two, one buy down, you were saving $10,000. Okay. First year, you save $6,000. Okay. So you've used that year up with the $6,000 to $500 a month. Year two, you've got a $4,000 for the year and you want to refinance. That $4,000 that's left with the buy down actually gets refunded back to you off your payoff when you refinance. Wow. So it's free. And you're never going to lose the money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not like a permanent buy down where you have to wait so many years right. to, when, to make that payment up. So when we're sitting and we're having the conversation with the borrower about doing a permanent buy down, what's, what's happening there. And you know, the term temporary buy down is almost misleading, almost misleading because with a permanent buy down, you're doing exactly that. You are for the life you, of the, loan. the borrower. You are writing a check at the closing table which is going to the investor right. in exchange for them giving you a lower interest rate for the entire life of the loan. Wow. Right? Different with a temporary buy-down, and this is why the name is somewhat misleading. When it comes to a temporary buy-down, quite literally, all that is happening is, in most instances, it's coming from the seller, you're taking the seller's money and the servicer is putting it into a separate account, almost just like an escrow account. Okay. 
for the benefit of the borrower in the future. Okay. And whatever that difference in payment would be from the seven and a half to the five and a half or the six and a half, that money is coming from that account to make up the difference. Got it. So you're really not buying anything down lower. Right. Another source is just making up your payment. Yeah. So moral of the story, you get 10 months into that, 11 months into that, 12 months into that, that money hasn't gone to an investor to buy a rate down lower. It's still sitting there. Right. So you get the benefit of every single dollar, four dollar, when it comes time to actually refinance your mortgage. I don't into think a lower I've ever rate. had it explained that way because I didn't realize it was sitting like running alongside of it, and so, that it wasn't being. If it's not used all the way, it's no, not used. No, all the that way. money hasn't gone to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac no. or where, wherever. I didn't know that. Nope, it's just there, and it's being paid. For the benefit of the borrower when the time comes. Well, you learn something new every day. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for joining us. I really appreciate it. Do you want to close out with anything or would you like to close out with anything? Oh, I'm going to leave that for Jason. He's he's (laughs) the guy answering the phone from the side of the Hawaiian highway. Which I appreciate and my client appreciates, even though I don't know which one we were talking about, but I'm sure they appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, you know, we love being partnered with you and your team and uh, excited for what 2024 has, has to come. I can't wait. Well, make sure you like and subscribe down below. And until next time, thanks. Thank Thank you. you.